hello and welcome to episode 64 of the uh, Payers and Players podcast. I'm Robert and Scott, my co-host with me. And then we've got a special guest, Mr. Trent Bride. So welcome, Trent. How's it going, guys? So Mr. Scott's going to introduce Trent real quick and then we'll get going. Trent uh, is a junior at the University of Georgia. He played number one for them the past season. Um, in the ITFs, he was uh, ranked, I think, in the top 10 as a junior. He played several of the junior grand slams. So he's got a lot of uh, experience and unique um, ex- perspectives to offer us. So, so welcome to the show, Trent. Happy to have you here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. So we always get started with sort of your tennis background. You know, how did you get started in the game? And, you know, did you have parents that that were players? And just give us a little bit of, uh, you know, how you started from tennis until about, you know, when you were 12 years old. Yeah. So uh, my mom did not play. Uh, My dad played. He started. He picked it up a little bit later. He started in his teenage years and um, he became the director of a country club about 10, 15 minutes from my house. And um, so ever since I was five, he kind of introduced me to to the sport and I fell in love with it. And uh, since then, I mean, it's, you know, I haven't, I haven't really, you know, I tried, tried soccer, tried basketball, um, but I just, I enjoyed tennis the most and I felt I was the kind of the best at it uh, versus the other sports. And um yeah, so I was just around the court a lot as a as a young kid, and um, you know I wasn't I wasn't a phenomenal player. I'd say, um, um, or, or like like some would say a prodigy, like uh, some guys you, know, you see now on on tour. But um, you know I wasn't great until kind of twelve, thirteen. Then I started to pick it up. Um, I would just kind of play the sectional tournaments. Uh, state tournaments and just just try and try and get into it and um, yeah and then I didn't really start seeing success until I was 12 and then I won my first gold ball uh, at the national clay courts and that was kind of what put me on the path to to where I am now. Nice. So to tell us a little bit about your training when you were nine, ten. You know, how often were you playing and and what kind of game were you developing? Was it, you know, like when we talked with Liam yesterday, you know, he said that he was a moon ball pusher. You know, he was just trying to get any ball in anyhow, didn't really worry about, you know, having a big game for the future. Um, how how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone kind of went through that stage and I was actually a really small kid. I wasn't, I had no height to me. So uh, I was, I would say I was doing about the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I kind of had like a Western grip um, and, uh, you know, just rolled balls back in the court. Um, but, you know, then, you know, when I got older, I kind of realized I'm a little bit of a counter puncher. I move pretty well around the court. Um have good defensive skills and, you know, obviously when, you know, I can build a point and get a short ball, I'm able to kind of take control, have good field in that. Um, so I kind of discovered that in my early teenagers and kind of crafted it into where I am now. Um, but yeah, it's it similar, similar to Liam, you know, just when you're, I don't know if he was small or not, but you know, I was just a small kid. So I was just kind of rolling balls back and, you know, it was just kind of a, a patient battle you know so um (laughs) but yeah that that's I didn't I didn't have any I mean I was playing you know probably four or five times a week um and you know just playing as a kid having fun I I didn't really have any um serious desires when I was you know eight nine ten years old I just enjoyed playing the sport and um you know just just kept at it until you know some success came and then uh really started to hone in on okay, this is what I want to do. And, and I want to put, you know, more hours and work into, into the sport. Yeah. So uh, Scott, how many years ago was it that we went and watched Georgia at the, at the national championship uh, in, uh, in Athens? Athens? Had to be 2017. Yeah. I think you were a freshman then, right? No, I was, I started school in or was January that? of 2019. Okay. All right. So that was, that was before you were playing for Georgia. So yeah. tell us in, did any of, did you go to any of that type of stuff and how much did that affect your decision to play for the Bulldogs? Yeah. So when I was getting recruited, um, 
you know, by all colleges in general. Uh, I narrowed it down to a few schools. Um, I wanted to be relatively, relatively close. I live over in Atlanta. So, you know, I was looking at Georgia Tech, UGA, Bama, um, and those are kind of my top, top choices. And, uh, you know, I was watching and I don't remember if it was, I think it was 27. Yeah, it was 2017 when they made semis um, of NCAAs. And I remember very vividly, I was in Milan for uh, ITF grade A there. Uh, it's a warm-up tournament for the French. And I remember I was, I was staying up late watching um, the live stream of them playing UNC in, uh, in the semis. And, like, the crowd was so into it. It was, like, yeah. the most electric match I've ever seen. Right. And from kind of them, uh, I knew I was like, this, I want to play here. Um, yeah. And I took my visit and, you know, a lot of the guys on the team are guys I grew up with in Atlanta. So um, everyone, I was really familiar with everyone. We were all good buddies. So it, it, it just felt like a no brainer to me. I mean, they obviously have an amazing program. Manny Diaz is one of the best coaches in the country. Hands down. Um, and their program there just, I mean, it didn't make sense to go to go anywhere else, especially with, you know, being only, you know, an hour away from my house. So yeah. uh, it's, it's a great choice. And I, and I'm so happy with, with the decision I made. Good. You know, we, we were, like you say, we were there in 2017 as well, as we mentioned, and you're right. The crowd was incredible, you know, super big crowds, enthusiastic, and that's for the national championships, but is it, is it that way during the regular season as well? It is. Yeah. Really? We've had some crazy matches where, yeah. I mean, I remember my probably one of my favorite weekends here at UGA was my sophomore year um, prior to COVID hitting. Um, it was we had a weekend where we played Ohio State and Tennessee mm -hmm. and it was great weather and the crowds were like insane for both days, especially Ohio State. It was it was really nice. It was like mid 60s and we had a huge crowd and we beat them 4-0 and they were top 10 uh, or no sorry they were top five I think there were three or something um, and I won my singles and doubles match um, and that was one of my favorite weekends and and we've had we've had many weekends like that where in the regular regular season if there's good weather I mean we we pack the stadium there's I mean everyone comes out it's one of the most electric yeah. and how, in, how in does Georgia do that? Because I mean, that's that's not common for college tennis to have that size of crowds on a regular basis. What does Georgia do right to attract that many fans? And, and where do the fans come from? Are they coming from Atlanta, or is it just the the Georgia community? Yeah, to be honest with you, I'm I'm not entirely sure, but I know that there. I mean, I think the biggest thing is that we have you know one of the greatest facilities in the country. Um, yeah. And that just attracts fans in general, no matter kind of where, where they're from. And uh, so I think, I think that's the biggest thing. And we obviously have a good, great marketing team um, mm -hmm. here. I mean, we, you know, at UGA, we put a lot of money into, you know, a lot of things that, you know, the average school might not. And, you know, I think marketing is huge. We, I know we have, I think the most followed Instagram uh, in the country, the, for our, our tennis. Um so I mean, just just things like that, and the and and the the dog community is just so strong in general. I mean, you don't you don't see it just in tennis; you see it in every single sport. Um, so it's just it's just a strong community, and you know, we're we have so many alumni that want to support us, and and I feel the same way. You know, when I'm when I'm done with with UGA, I feel the same way. I want to come back and see as many matches as possible, bring family, friends, because uh, it's it's an atmosphere like no other. And I'm sure with um, the attention we've gotten from uh, the national championships being here for so many years, I'm sure that has great influence on the crowds that we we've been able to bring in as well. Right. Right. It's a, it's a unique place and it's harder, hard to replicate that at, you know, any other school. It's, it's so unique. Yeah, for sure. So when you were, when you were a younger player uh, training, what were some of those? I mean, you, so you, you mentioned you won a gold ball when you were in the twelves in clay court. Uh, what were some of those moments, though, that were some of the struggling moments in, in your young junior career, you know, in the 14 under, 16 under? What were some moments that were difficult that you yeah, you, you started I mean, struggling? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So, 
I, the biggest thing that I had to struggle with was when I was, I mean, I wasn't home much through when I was 14 all the way into, you know, even now I, I, I never really was home. I was either in Florida training in Boca at USDA, or I was, you know, traveling, you know, somewhere across the country or, you know, on the other side of the world. And it got tough. Like I remember I was 15, 15 years old uh 15 16 and I was in Europe and I was there for you know four weeks or so and um I didn't have good results I lost like you know first second round like each week and it was just like what am I doing you know and it it just got really tough because it's not you know you're not always in the nicest spots it's not like this glamorous lifestyle that everyone thinks oh you get to go to Europe you get to go to South America like no you you see the the hotel, you see the courts and that's it. You don't, you know, go out to these nice destinations on these resorts and, you know, get to see all these, all these beautiful things. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough life. Um, and especially being young like that, it, it, it's tough for me to appreciate the different places that I've been to now. I think I deal with it a lot, a lot better, uh, you know, going, going to Europe and, you know, different places, uh, appreciating the differences and cultures and, foods and history and and everything of of that nature so I think that uh that was one thing I really struggled with um was just just all the travel um you know and and being homeschooled and I I never really I never really felt um like I missed out because I I I liked being homeschooled I liked playing tennis when I was home it was just you know missing family and and friends and, and things like that yeah. And so talk about that decision to go homeschool and, and go the ITF route. You know, what was the thinking behind that in terms of now is the right time? This is the place to go. Why not just stay in the U.S. and compete in USDA events and, and talk about, you know, how, that, how, you, how you came to that decision? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so I mean, it's basically like uh, like a ladder, right? So you start at, you know, the state level, you go to the southern level, which was my section. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the national level and then from there you go to the ITF. So, you know, when I won a gold ball, I was, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't old enough necessarily to play at the ITFs yet, but, um, you know, I was, gosh, I was, you know, 12, 13, you know, winning or making deep runs in sectional tournaments in like the 16s, 18s. So, um, you know, I would play the, the, the big national tournaments, but, you know, it was, it was kind of that ladder where I felt like I already, uh, I've climbed the ladder and I'm ready for the, for the ITF circuit. So by the time I was 14, you know, I'd only play the, the tournaments that were required to get me into, you know, the hard courts, which is kind of, you know, the main tournament you really right. need to play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from, from then on, I really just played maybe one, two USDA tournaments a year and the rest was just ITFs. Cause I yeah. kind of climbed that ladder and, um, you know, the only, the only really USDA tournament I needed to play was, was Kalamazoo. And that was the really, really big one for, for myself and everyone, of course. Yeah. And currently Kalamazoo is going on right now. Um, yeah. Do you follow it or you follow what's going on with Kalamazoo? Or you um, sort of just... We have a teammate that is actually in the tournament. Okay. Um, I think, I, I believe he lost, um, but he, so I, I followed it briefly, like the first and second mm-hmm. round, but I haven't seen further. I don't know. I'm not sure what round they're in, okay. um, but I did see the draws. So Yeah. And what was your experience at Kalamazoo and you know it's like you say it's sort of the pinnacle of U.S. junior tennis you know did you play it four times or how did how many times did you play it and how how were some of your results so unfortunately for me I was uh I'm an August birthday so I didn't get to play the uh like my last year or whatever but I think I played I want to say I played twice in 16s twice in 18s um the only the main one I I really remember is when I made semis uh, mm-hmm. in 18s and I lost to Michael Moe in the semis got, yeah. got kind of clocked by him. He was just <laughs> a different beast there. He won that. He won it kind of right. easily the yeah. whole tournament, but yeah. um, that was a, that was a great run. I mean, semis yeah. at Kalamazoo is, is obviously an amazing achievement. And for sure. Um, so I was uh, really, really pleased with that performance there. And the other ones I believe was uh, around a 16, maybe, um, mm-hmm. I think twice or something like that, but yeah, the semis was a, was a yeah. great result that I'm, Wait, I'm really But yeah, for sure. Today. And especially, especially with an August birthday, you know, that sort of means you're sort of a full year behind. So it's, uh, it's yeah, kind of unfortunate. Yeah. 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 yeah, um, yeah. 
So talk to us a little more about school. You know, you mentioned homeschool. I know there's a lot of folks that go homeschool and a lot that don't. Um, tell us kind of when you went homeschool, where'd you go in homeschool and, and what your experience was like? Yeah, so I decided homeschool. So initially I did all of elementary school. I did uh, one year of regular middle school and then I went to a half day school. So it was it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from eight to 12. And that was mm -hmm. it. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty nice. It was a pretty yeah. good deal. But um, then once I got to the point where I was playing ITFs full time, um, or I believe, no, sorry, I was, I was in that school for one year uh, in seventh grade. And I went to home full-time homeschool in eighth grade. And that's when I was pretty much playing, you know, the ITFs full time. And uh, I was traveling, uh, you know, across the world. So uh, I couldn't, I, regardless of, you know, it being a shortened time, which was great for training, it didn't matter because, you know, I was still missing full weeks of school because ITFs is, you know, weeks long where USTA, you know, you, you it's play weekends, and yeah. it's, it's weekends, maybe till Monday. So it worked out perfect for that. But when I was playing mm -hmm. ITFs, I was still missing full weeks. So that's when I decided, hey, yeah. I need to do this online and, 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 and so that was kind of when I decided um, in eighth grade all the way till, you know, through 12th. I, uh, okay. you know, and what, what homeschool program did you use? So initially I did eighth grade, I did K-12. And then from ninth to all of high school, I did uh, International Connections Academy. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, Want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the new um, loosening up of the, uh, I guess the, it's called the NIL um, regulations from the, from the NCAA. I know that, you know, you're an entrepreneurial guy. I know that you and Patrick had a, a business before college started called tennis mentors, which is, I thought was a great idea. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that. And, and did you have to drop that once you decided to go to Georgia? Yeah. So, um, I'm glad you asked the, the question. So yeah, I started, uh, tennis mentors back when I was 16 and it was a great idea. We had we had good success. And then um, when I started school, that's when kind of compliance was like, hey, you, you know, they tried to find ways, you know, where we could maybe work around it. But it just it didn't it made it too hard for it to be, um, you know, a sustainable business. So I just kind of just put it put it away, put it to the side. But for, for those unfamiliar, as, can you can you tell us what Tennis mentor, Mentors is? Yep. So, so, so I'll kind of get into what it is now, but prior to, to school, it was basically just consulting. So basically we were, we felt that there was a missing area uh, in, in tennis where it's just kind of, you know, the coaches that are, you know, are 30, 40 years old or, or even late twenties, you know, are, are coaching these guys, advising them what to do, which there's great value in that. But the word, the, the place where we had the advantage was we're doing it right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're traveling, you know, the world We're we're top juniors in the world and uh, you know, we're going through it right now. So we're, the goal wasn't, you know, to teach forehands and backhands. It was to explain the process uh, by which, how we got to where we are. And with that, so that it, that business model, it, it was great. And uh, we got some, some good, uh, you know, marketing through tennis recruiting and, and some other, uh, some other businesses. So it, it worked out great. And, um, the guys working with me were, were great. And it was, it was a, it was a good idea. And then, you know, obviously they, they went to school too. They had to stop it. So, um, it just became, it became difficult. So, uh, so on the side of what it is now, um, I wanted to adjust from consulting to doing something that wasn't as, how do I say, um, uh, better for time management, I'd say. Uh, so what I did was I hired a buddy who um, played tennis at Georgia Tech. His name's Joseph Gandolfo. And so I had the idea to build a course, an online course. And this isn't just a course where, you know, again, like I said, you know, where you can hit forehands and backhands, like how, how to hit forehands and backhands. That's not the goal of tennis mentors. It never has been. And so I wanted to continue um, with that mission. So 
what we did is we built a course. This was all during uh, uh, COVID and quarantine. So we had all the time in the world to kind of film this. So it was perfect timing. So we filmed a massive course has, you know, 37, 39 videos. Uh, it's got like nine to 11 modules. And um, it's just information, like every single thing that you could think of from recovery to injuries to traveling to how to pick coaches to how to pick academies uh i mean every every single thing under the sun for, mm -hmm. for tennis so um it's just it's just a plethora of information and we put it together into a course and now i haven't done anything with it until now that nil is now live so now we're just trying to figure out how we want to go about of you know kind of releasing it um, and so we also need to refine some videos since things have changed over the course of, you know, since last summer, uh, especially with USTA, they changed the ranking system to like a mirroring system now where it's like a one full system. So we need to adjust a few videos. Um, but once we do that, then we're, we're good to go live and, and we have a, we're, we're in the works right now of how we want to go about that, but we're, we're really excited for for what's to come with that yeah that, that sounds great you know as, as tennis parents that's something exactly that we would be interested in, in looking at so for sure you know hopefully we can uh, see that soon yeah absolutely and and to add it's you know if if i was uh you know for for my parents i had i had a sister who played tennis to the usta and it's trial and error right you know they don't know what tournaments to play what academies to go to what coaches to pick and so this kind of takes all that out right because yeah. i've been through it um, you know, so, so for, if, if, if my parents, you know, wanted to put me in, say I'm 12 years old and they wanted to put me in golf, what do they do? You know, we have no idea. So this is for the parents also that don't really know, you know, how to go about getting their kid into tennis, you know, and, and, you know, if they want to take it seriously, how, how do you go about that? And, you know, this has all the answers from that for that, from when you're a junior up until your college slash pro level. So. And how did you have to present that to the university in terms of do you have to get approval for that or is it pretty much just it's it's laissez-faire so, and hands-off? Go ahead. So we weren't even ready to do anything with it until we until I got the information last last fall that uh, you know late that fall that there was going to be an NIL thing where kids are going to make money off of name and likeness. So I was like, okay, let's just hold off on this. Cause I was, I was planning on going to compliance and figure out, okay, is there a way I can go about this? Um, but you know, you have one, one at bat at the market, right? You know, right. you can't, you can't just, you know, do it subtly and, and work your way around it and expect it to blow up. And then, you know, you know, who knows what's going to happen and, you know, something goes wrong, I become ineligible. So what I was like, okay, let's just wait. Let's figure out what this NIL thing is really going to mean. Um, you know, it, it sounds like they're it's something they're trying to rush and 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 get into uh, uh, get going. So I was like, let's just wait on that. And so now that it's live, we I mean, we don't have to you know consult with really anyone. I mean, we just tell we we obviously keep keep compliance updated with what we're doing. But there's as far as I know, there's no restrictions to that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just kind of how we're going to go about it right now. So once we refine everything and we're ready to release, then, um, you know, we're, we have, we'll have a plan in place for how we'll do that. Yeah, that's cool. It's a, I've been talking to my son a lot about finding ways to develop passive income. And that's, that's exactly what you've done is, is built out a course, passing your information on. And, you know, sometimes people say, I don't know about this, but you're, you, you spent money, you spent time to develop the knowledge that you have. And if I'm looking at it, right, is this, does it say it's thirty nine ninety five one time flat, cost? Flat fee. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for 40 bucks, that's to, to gain the knowledge that you gained all through those years. That's, that's a bargain. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what we have right now. And we're, you know, we want it, we, we're not trying to, you know, make just massive money off of this. This is something that, you know, I can make, you know, a little bit of money and share my knowledge and, and hopefully, you know, I have more of a passion to, you know, build something big where, you know, tennis mentors could be something greater than this. I don't see it just being a course, you know, this is what it is now. And then hopefully it can, you know, become a nationwide thing that has helped so many people. And then we can kind of leverage that to, you know, maybe, 
turn it into something else even greater. So Trent, what are your, what are your future goals, your career goals after college? You, tennis is over, you know, someday. Um, yep. what, what are, what do you want to do? So, you know, obviously, like you said, I mean, I want to play tennis. That's, that's what I want to do first. You know, when I'm, when I'm done with school, I'm going to, you know, give everything I have into the sport with no distractions. Um, and then after that, I have actually a passion for, uh, for finance and, and I want to go into private wealth is, is what I'm, what I'm considering. And, um, with that said, I do always want to have my foot in the door with tennis in some way, shape or form, uh, most likely, um, entrepreneurially, uh, I don't really have a passion necessarily for being on the court coaching for, you know, you know, eight, 12 hours a day. Um, uh, that's just not, not necessarily, although I do, I do enjoy helping kids. So in the summers I've, I've helped kids a little bit and it's, and it's great. I don't, as long as I'm not out there for, for crazy long, if I'm out there for a couple hours a day, I don't, I really don't mind it. I like it a lot. Um, but you know, I, I do want to, want to stay in tennis and, um, you know, maybe run tournaments. That's what I've done for, uh, this past summer. And then last winter break, I ran, uh, uh, two UTR tournaments that were very successful and, um, so, you know, something, something that, um, I just want to stay in tennis in some way, yeah. shape or form, but I do have a passion for finance and, and the markets and, um, private wealth is, is a, is a great business where you're, you're working with, with families, um, and you're, it's not, you know, super transactional where you're just making, you know, big deals and then on to yeah. the next client. It's, you know, you're building relationships with people, helping right. families, you know, with, you know, portfolio management, estate planning, you know, taxes, all, all the, all these yeah. kinds of things. And, um, that's something that I think I'd have a passion for could just cause I'd be able to, to help people out as well. Good. So you're a finance major, I take it. I'm actually a consumer econ major, believe it or okay. not. <laughs> so I, I enjoy, I enjoy economics and, and, uh, and I like the consumer side of it. So I, I wanted to do a consumer yeah. econ. Yeah. And, and staying with the NIL, have, have you had any other, you know, opportunities for endorsements or, you know, how, how has that worked in terms of other businesses coming to you and saying, would you rep this product? So I've had uh, a few, few companies reach out. Um, I'm doing just a little something with uh, PSD underwear. I did something with Voss Um um, a couple other brands have approached me, but, um, right now I'm kind of staying low key with it. I think it's obviously something that, uh, is really going to change the lives of basketball and football players. True. Um, and then some, you know, some other popular sports where there's some, you know, very right. famous athletes that are in school, but I think it's the, especially businesses right now, they're trying to, they're treading, you know, water, just trying to figure out what, what is the market like for, uh, especially tennis players like me. And I think that's going to take some time to, to figure out once kind of the, the football players, basketball players get these big deals, then, you know, we'll see where, uh, where uh, other companies are at with, you know, with tennis and, and how that'll progress. But I think if I go into it too quickly, then, you know, you might um, see that, you know, I might not be led, leveraging uh, myself as much as I could be. Right. Um or maybe, you know, I could be getting overvalued as well. You know, you never know, but I figured it'd, it'd, it'd be better to wait and just kind of see um, what the deals look like and, and how, how uh, it'll, it'll really affect tennis. Yeah, no, that's really smart. Cause like you say, you know, the, everything is so unsettled right now. If you go in with both feet, you know, maybe you become too, too, too spread thin around and then you're everywhere and then no one, no one values that. But the more maybe sure. reserved you are, you get it, you can maybe demand a little bit more um, because you are, you know, a little bit more uh, selective. So good. Sure. So short term goals, what things that you're trying to do, uh, right after college are you are you building up um uh, an idea of being able to travel to play futures challengers um what are what are, what are your future plans here in the short term yeah so i mean it's just going to be starting with futures challengers i got to figure out you know home base if i want to be in atlanta or you know maybe somewhere else where i want to train and um just figure out you know uh, a full schedule from from there with futures challengers we'll see where i am i'm i'm obviously gonna 
while I'm still in school, I'm still going to try and play um, Futures and Challengers as well. So, you know, maybe I can get my ranking up and hopefully be at a point where I could play strictly Challengers and, you know, a couple of Futures here and there. But, um, you know, obviously that's that's unlikely and uh, unless I'm playing like a full schedule. So, um, but unless I can get some really good results, you know, we'll see. We never know. And um, we'll just have to play it by ear and, and see where I'm at. But, you know, if wherever I am, I'll, I'll, I'll get ready to to start a full schedule of, of whatever tournaments that might be. Yeah. One of the things I was looking at today, cause I, cause I, I, I know at one point there was a, a futures tournament in Memphis on the calendar. It's been canceled. So I was looking at what other opportunities there are and there really aren't that many for, you know, in America. And if, but if you go to Egypt, there's like 20 tournaments from here to the end of the year, you know, is it, would, it something, would you be willing to go to Egypt for a couple of months to play a bunch of tournaments to get a bunch of points, or are you going to stick here in, in the U S and maybe play some UTRs? Yeah, no, I think to be honest now, now while I'm in school, it's tough. I, I don't think yeah. I can really travel go out of the country um, or do, do that. But, or, you know, I think the best way is just to kind of stay local, play college tournaments and, play whatever futures there are, you know, every, you know, just take advantage of whatever, whatever is in the U S but when I'm going full time, I think it's necessary to go to somewhere like Tunisia, Egypt, Turkey, wherever, wherever that may be. And, yeah. uh, you know, just stay, you know, usually it's where you play the same place and it's mm-hmm. the same tournament and you play, you know, four or five weeks in a row. Yep. And, you know, usually generally those tournaments are weaker um and there's there's really no shame in that everyone does it you need to go there and, and collect points the the guy yeah. the tournaments in the u.s are, are really tough and so yeah, unless yeah. you're one of the top top guys then there's really no point to just stay strictly in the u.s also with you know there being a drought in tournaments um yeah. so i think it's necessary to to go to one of those places play for a few weeks and and that's kind of the best way to get your ranking up top 600 500 to just play yeah. those features and you know, have some good results, good weeks in a row. And, um, you know, you, you, gr- you get confidence from having deep runs as well. So right. I think the, you know, the, the U S circuit can be, can be very difficult and, yeah. um, you know, what's the word, um, it can really just, it can really just weigh on you. And when you're playing yeah. those tournaments and, you know, you might go one or two weeks where you have a first round loss because you have up and coming guys that are playing that are really good. I mean, that aren't seated. I mean, unfortunately in the, in the American tournaments, it's, it's, I hate to say it, but it's really about the draw you get because there's so yeah. many seeds that just aren't that good. And there's non seeds that are really good. Right. And then there's non seeds that aren't that good. Then there's <laughs> seeds that are really good. It's just, you get like yeah. the whole, yeah. you just don't know what you're going to get in the U S yeah. features. So yeah, they're, 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 they're really, they're travel. really tough. You know, like I said, we were, we happened to be in Tulsa the week that you were in Tulsa playing the futures there. And, you know, that, that draw was stacked. I mean, it was like an, it was like a college all-star, you know, thing from Pat, you know, you had po- yep. past winners, current winners, you know, Sam was there, Sam Riffis, Ryan Shane. And then you have all these, you know, Australian guys. It was like I say, it was for fans, it was great, but being a player, like yeah. you say, it's just a, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a bomb. It's a minefield. And it being so why, 100 degrees wasn't helpful either. That's right. Why, <laughs> why is there such a drought of future tournaments right now? And and Scott, I didn't know the Memphis future got canceled. It yeah, it's it's uh, on the on the calendar. It's showing up as canceled. So I'm, oh. I'm, Trent may know about this, but I don't know. Yeah, honestly, I don't know why why they're doing that because all I mean all the futures that I've played in the in the states thus far have been ran great. There's been mm-hmm. no issues. So I don't know what I don't know if you know, tournaments are just losing too much money. There's like, I, I mean, I really, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's probably an economic issue um, mm-hmm. since, you know, to my knowledge, I think, you know, obviously we have the variant right now, but that wasn't the case when Memphis was, was canceled. Right. So right. I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why tournaments are canceling and yeah. um, what's going on, but hopefully, hopefully, you know, this fall we can, I, I know that there's, I've heard through the grapevine that there's supposed to be um, some tournaments added pretty soon. So we'll just okay. have to play by ear and hopefully, yeah. hopefully that happens. So we'll and just, have you played any of the uh, UTR pro tennis tour events? I've not played any of those. No. Are you familiar with them? Uh, Kind of, I, I okay. think they're correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like a, a round robin, and then the winners of the round robin go into a separate draw. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's they've okay. got good money in them. Um, they've, I think they play yes, a lot, in, uh, 
Los Angeles, like Newport, but I thought they had some in Atlanta as well. Maybe, maybe I think it was they the did. I was out of town at the time. Okay. I, I mean, of, to, I to me, that, that format is so unique, but it's so smart because like you say, when you go to a, you know, Tulsa, let's say you're losing the first round of qualifying, you're, you're out. Yeah. You know, and that's on a Monday. You don't play again till the following Monday, you know, here, yeah. at least with the round Robin, you're guaranteed four or five matches. It gets, you know, yeah. really quality opponents and the way that, that, that round Robin works and they get, you know, the, the eight pods or whatever of the round Robin play, you know, the, the eight winners go on to, you know, the various uh, or the, what, however it works, but you know, they, they all feed into a quarterfinal kind of situation. But to me, the, the format is super appealing and the only drawback is that you just don't get any uh atp points yeah yeah no i mean utr what utr has done and how they've leveraged you know covid and everything has been extremely impressive i mean i know i've heard that the bulk of their revenue has been from running tournaments um not not just them utr running tournaments but all the the people like myself who have have ran tournaments i know Mm -hmm. that they um i've really made a bulk of their revenue f- from that um so you know credit to them to how they've leveraged you know this whole situation and um they've built they've built a giant in the tennis world yeah and they, like i say it came out at the right the right time while the usta was shut down they were they were open for business so it was it was good for the yep. players for sure yep for sure. yeah and i think there's a lot of interesting um new developments that they've got going especially with the the paid hits I can see a lot of players signing up almost like Uber for tennis, uh, you know, lessons or whatever you want to call it. It's, I think that's really exciting, especially I think for parents. I mean, you think about when you were 12 and 13 and you were in Atlanta, so it wasn't super hard for you to find somebody, but man, if you could get on there and say, Hey, I, I want to hit with somebody who's a 10 UTR and you search in your area and hit them up and pay them. And I mean, that's, just being able to put all that in one area, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how that plays out. And, you know, I think they have a great, great plan in place to my knowledge, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. And, and, you know, they just, they can keep on coming up with ideas and, and, you know, everyone's going to use them because everyone knows what UTR is. Right. So, um, and they've, they've built that rapport with everyone. So I'm, I'm really interested to see with how it, uh, how it plays out. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think there'll ever be a day when the, uh, I guess the ATP tour doesn't go by points, but goes by rating so that you could play, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you had the choice between playing Tulsa ITF, you know, 15 K or one of these 25,000, you know, pro tennis tour things on UTR, you'd be indifferent to it from a point standpoint. And you could just say, well, I'm going to, if I can use my rating to get into, you know, the qualifying for a 250 or a challenger, well, do you think there'll ever be the day when, when that happens? I don't think so. Uh, just because I think it's, they obviously, someone like UTR obviously has an amazing system in place and, you know, but it's impossible necessarily to perfect like a rating system. And, you know, to, there's also credit in people that will travel and week in and week out where, right. So, but that, but, you know, your ranking will go down. And so I think that's how it should be. Um, You know, I don't think you should be able to just come back and, you know, have, you know, the same rating because you're probably not at the same level if you're out for six months. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think there's always going to be a point system, um, you know, the way that the ATP does it, whether it's, you know, more accurate or not, I think it's, it's the way to do it. And, uh, I think, I think it's going to be impossible to do, do something like DTR, uh, like where it's just kind of like a rating system. But with that said, they've built a very accurate system and I'm very impressed with, Mm -hmm. with what they've built. And I know that they're continually trying to perfect the system. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's go back to a few weeks ago. You got the wild card into the main draw of the Atlanta 250. Um, Talk, tell us about, you know, that experience and your match against uh, Brandon Nakashima. Yeah, that was awesome. Gosh. I mean, that was one of, you know, 
that's definitely a memory I will hold uh, for the rest of my life, you know, being able to play in my first ATP main draw um, and, and sharing the court with Brandon was awesome. I know that he, he made finals in Cabo the, mm-hmm. the week before and obviously made finals of Atlanta and, and right. you know, had a good run in, in Washington. So uh, he's obviously, you know, I caught him at a very, very hot time in, in his career um, so far. So it was awesome to, to play him. The, the first set was a little bit, I was just kind of getting out some nerves. Um, and obviously, you know, when you're playing nervous against a guy that is, you know, one of the better guys that you've ever played, it's, it's not easy to really find a group. So, um, but you know, in the second set, I was able to get a couple holds, started serving a little bit better. And then I was able to work my way into service games. And, uh, once I got that break back, then I was feeling really good and, uh, confident. And then once I got the set, obviously I felt like I had, you know, I, I had, I had proven myself in this match so I could kind of play real pretty free in the third set. And, uh, that's what I did. And, you know, until that last point where I missed the, missed the easy volley on, on top of the <laughs> net, but no, it was, it was, it was fun. And, and, you know, it was a, it was a great match and um, some really high quality points and, yeah. and one all, all cherished forever. Yeah, for, for sure. And how sort of nervous were you after the first set? Like you said, you knew you played the nervous in the first set and you lost six, one, how nervous were you were like, I got to show that I'm better than this. You know, how, how did you sort of pump yourself up and get yourself motivated for the second set? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, so it was, it was pretty big that I was able to get a hold at the end of the first and, mm-hmm. you know, I knew I just needed to take care of my serve and then hopefully I'd yeah. be able to, to work, get in, uh, to, to a service game. So after the first set, seven games with new balls, um, I knew I just needed to make some some first serves, keep my first serve percentage high, and I knew I'd probably get some free points because those courts are really bouncy. It's really tough to to return okay. uh, with new balls uh, with it, when you're making high percentage first serves. So I knew if I could do that, get get a couple games uh, under my belt, then I'd I'd relax, be a little bit more loose. So that was kind of the key in the second set was just uh, staying high percentage with the first serve, uh, utilizing the new balls, and uh, work my way in from there. Good, good. Um... Tell us about next season with Georgia. What do you guys prospects? I know um, Tyler transferred out, but I think you have some transfers coming in as well. Um, how do you like your? How, how, how do you guys see yourself for next year? I'm, I'm excited. We have uh, two freshmen coming in, and one of them just made the semis of the Milan Grade A, which is obviously a very big tournament. So he's going to be a great addition to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Hamish Stewart, who is transferred right. from Tulane. He's, yes. he's a yes. he's a great player right. uh, for them. Played line one for them and had some great success. So, uh, you know, those are two great additions, as well as uh, Tristan McCormick, who played mm-hmm. I think around three at Notre Dame. Played in the doubles lineup. Uh, big guy, big serve. He'll be yeah. you know lethal. Um, you know for our team. Yeah. You know wherever wherever he stacks up. So, uh, you know we have a good squad. Uh, we have yeah. a hardworking squad and everyone is, is hungry, especially after last year. Uh, yeah. You know, we made a good run to the quarters and, you know, that uh, we, we want to make a deeper run this year. And I think we have uh, an even better team to do it. So we're really optimistic and, and excited for uh, this coming season. That's awesome. Hey, I got to show this real quick. So I, I, I'm on Twitter just looking through and I come across your moment to meet Roger Federer. <laughs> right and u.s can you so I'll, I'll, i can explain to you what what's going on yeah uh, so, so so i don't know if you can hear it but he's saying in there say tough and usta yeah. says says uh you get 10 seconds with roger federer trent bride took an interesting approach there so tell so, us what happened so what, there so what happened was i have a group chat of a bunch of friends from home and the group chat is called tough I don't know. I don't really know how it originated, but they were like, can you just get him to say tough? <laughs> and so I was like, the first time I'm meeting Roger Federer, like I've never, never met him before. And so I go up to him and I'm just like, Hey, can you say tough for me? Cause this is for like, for the boys, you know, this is for the, for the group chat. So I just asked him to say tough and, and he didn't, I don't think he understood what was Right. what was going on so i think he thought i was saying something else but it was yeah it was a funny moment we actually had another friend who uh one of my buddies gianni ross he he did it with nadal 
uh, at Wimbledon and and for the for the group chat. And so, yeah, it was just when he did with the dolls, like I gotta I gotta one up you and I gotta go for Fed. So I like it. Uh, yeah, I like yeah, it. So I did that and it was it was it was a good laugh. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we always we always do a fast feed at the end. Uh, Scott, do you want to crank that up? Uh, yeah. Or have you got see. something before that? No, no, no. I'm fine. Um, let's see. Now I'm going to ask the question that I, that Scott normally asks before why he's getting them pulled up. Okay. So so we ask this every time, and it's always the same answer. So let, let we want to see if that's if it's going to be the same for you. So. Your go-to place to eat on the road. Go to. Uh, it's, it, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's Chipotle. <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent. It never yeah. fails. I mean, Chipotle. That's, that's, yeah, it's Chipotle. I mean, that's just the go-to. <laughs> All right. When when Chipotle's closed because of uh, you know COVID or they've got salmonella or something like that, what what what's what's the backup? Then uh, I quit tennis and I give up. No. I'm Oh gosh. Um probably lunch, you know, Jersey Mike's is like right. a good go to. Jersey Mike's. Um for dinner, just you know, whatever restaurant, but probably Jersey Mike's. All right. Very good. My my son my son will appreciate that. He we he's no doubt. Uh, yeah. at least it's three still days second a week. though. Chipotle Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> well good. Um they don't they don't even have to advertise in the tennis community. They they've got it a lot on lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they so, do have it on lock. Yeah, so you you played several of the junior slams. Which was your favorite tournament as a junior? It doesn't have to be a slam, but uh, okay, yeah. So so I would say U.S. Open for sure. Um, just it, it was really cool playing U.S. Open. I think uh, well, my favorite tournament would be Truist Atlanta Open, but for right. juniors, I would say uh, U.S. Open just because the experience there was you were kind of like with all the pro players, like you were with everyone in the dining hall um, and the, you know, the locker rooms and lounges and everything. So um, that was really cool. Uh, Wimbledon is obviously my second. Um, it was just, just being at Wimbledon is just insane. So, and being able to play on the, on the courts is, is crazy. Um, and so, yeah, those are my top two. And um, again, US Open was just, it was just very accommodating to the juniors. You didn't feel like, you know, you were kind of like the, the the juniors mm-hmm. that no one like really cares about you're kind of like just with everyone so it was, it was really yeah. cool yeah it's, I, I think it's always amazing that you know ju- junior players like you know just had the, the the guys that just made the finals of junior wimbledon you know they played in wimbledon and then 10 days later they're playing in edwardsville illinois in a, in a, yeah. like in, in a future yeah. you know, it's oh, like yeah. how how different you is gotta the humble life? you gotta humble them you yeah humble exactly them. You Exactly. Um, All right. So, be- best player that you've played or that you know that that most people may not know. Best player that I've played that, or the or or know. just a best player you know that most people would I mean, not the, even the know. The person that comes to, not, to mind is, is Nakashima. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but everybody knows him. Say the yeah, I'm saying yeah, the not the best player now. you. Yeah, the best player you've played or that you are around that no one would know he 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 exists. Um, probably uh, Yuya Ito. He's uh, he played one for Texas, and um, he doesn't play tennis anymore. So I don't think people really know him. That's a he good one. Quit? He just quit. Yeah. Because huh. right. yeah, he was the guy that clinched. Uh, I think he just. I think the national championship against Petros. Yeah. Um, I right. let me and so and so the the best player in the in the juniors that you ever played who doesn't play tennis anymore. Oh gosh, um, who doesn't play anymore? Or or just the best player in the junior Scott? Who was the guy that we asked early in the podcast? Oh, I, that, I do uh, have one. I do have one that I have not. I've not seen this guy in forever. Is uh, Yubing Wu. Oh. He was, I think he was one in the world and huh. I, he got up to like 300 and maybe he's been injured for a couple of years, but I haven't seen him. Okay. I haven't seen him at all in any tournament. So yeah. I don't know what he's up to. Maybe he is still <laughs> trying to play, but 
Yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah, Robert, the guy you were thinking of was um, when we talked to Patrick Kipps, and the guy's name was uh, Alexander Del Corral. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. He was <laughs> yeah. really, really good in the 12s. And then, and then just where'd he go? No idea. I have no idea what happened. I think okay. Scott so ran, was, ran a little bit a down answer. on him. Where, yeah. where did he run down? I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't okay. know. Interesting. Um, let's see. So what is something that like uh, Coach Manny always says, or what's, what's a, something that, you know, if, if someone says, you know, what, what is, what's his go-to um, either saying or, or mannerism? Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is with Manny, he's just super inspirational. So he's always trying to inspire you and he, and, you know, he's different with every player. So, um, you know, with me, he's always encouraging me to just hit the ball and, and stay relaxed on the court. Um, so that, that, that's kind of the thing for me and, and, you know, for each player, it's different and he's really good about accommodating to, to what each player wants. So sure. I'd say for me, it's just, just staying calm and, and hitting, hitting the ball, hitting through the ball. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't have like the one thing that he always is saying that if you were to do an impersonation of him, he, that this is the one thing you'd be walking in, you know, with the shoes untied, and this is the thing you'd say. Um, that he would say. Um, I mean, no, not uh, that I can really think. Of. I have to think about it. I have to think yeah, about Co- it. Coach, it's been it's been a couple months since I've seen him, <laughs> so I need I need a refresher. I'm sure with first day back when I see him at practice, I'll be like, ah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach O so, at, at LSU always is going to say we got to compete, you know. So everybody yeah. around Ole Miss is always walking around saying, Coach O, you got to compete. So I'm sure Manny's got yeah. that thing. Yeah, yeah. Trent, this was a lot of fun, and we appreciate your, your time, and we enjoyed this conversation yeah, a lot. Um, we, yeah, can you give the people your website for your for your business? I know it's maybe it's not up and running yet, but I know that maybe yep. Tennis Mentor still has some stuff, but where can they find you? That's right. Yep. So, so they can actually purchase the course right now. Um, okay. We just needed to refine a, a couple of videos. We haven't done any marketing. So, um, you know, n- no one is really going to, going to purchase it right now anyways, but if you do see it and, and you're interested to see the other modules and, and all the other videos, it's tennismentors.net. Uh, it is live and up and running right now. Um, so if you want to check it out and, and look at the course, then, um, you know, go to tennismentors.net and, and you can check out over there. All right, good. And like I said, we best you the best this fall. I know uh, I guess you'll be playing in some of the college, college tournaments and whatever futures you can find. But then during the regular season next fall, um, you know, does is Georgia's schedule out yet or is, or is that still in the works? It, we do. We do have a schedule, but I think it's tentative right now. So, OK. All right. So your typical SEC schedule plus, you know, whatever else you have. So good. All right. Exactly. Well, good luck. Thanks, really enjoyed uh, it. Thanks, right, guys. For, I, I, thanks I for really joining us. It. All right. Yes, yep. sir. Thank, Thank you. Take care.